Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors on the team here at Connect. Thank you for joining us. Now, this morning, we're going to be taking a look at Acts 3 and 4. We're continuing our uh, sermon series, message series in uh, Unleashed. And today, we're going to be talking about the culture of the church and boldness, specifically. And after I just said boldness, you might be asking yourself, Tyler, what qualifies you to preach on boldness? Well, I'll be honest, not much. But I do have a funny video I want to share real quick of me getting my wisdom teeth out and probably the boldest I've ever been in my entire life. So check it out. What did you want? I just wanted them all to know Jesus so bad. In there. Oh, I love I just want that. everybody to know Jesus. Oh, that's Because so God good. loves all of us and he wants a relationship with all of us. And I just wanted to make sure all those ladies back there, they knew Jesus and they were going to go to heaven. Tyler, I love that about you. Oh, thanks. And then I said I was going to preach a sermon. And they were like, well, bring it. I said, okay, hold on, buckle in. Because here it comes. I was ready to preach. What were you going to preach? I said I was going to bring the heat. I said I was going to bring the heat about how we're all sinful. We all need Jesus to save us. And God sent his only son to die on the cross for all of our sins. For God so loved the world that he sent his beloved son. Aww. I just want people to know that. Oh. Because we're missing out on full life. They are. They are. Maybe we should like start a church where I just get an anesthesia right before <laughs> the sermon. And I'll come out and I'll just preach you all the boldness that I have ever. What's up? You guys need to know Jesus. That probably wouldn't go for very well. Now this morning, I'm not on anesthesia, like my idea in that video. Uh, But I wanted to show that video, one, because it's funny, uh, but it also shows extreme boldness. I was not afraid of anything. I wish I lived like that more daily. Because I was so focused in that moment on telling those nurses and doctors that they needed to know Jesus. And I wish I lived that way more in daily life. But today, again, we're looking at Acts chapters 3 and 4 and the culture of the church. So what even is culture? What does culture mean? The definition of culture is the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or social group. Or for our case, the church. But what what does that look like? Because if we look at our own culture here in America, it seems to change from president to president, from major event in the news to major event in the news, from fashion that a celebrity's wearing to what another celebrity might be wearing that week. So it's hard to keep up with all the changes in culture. But here's the thing about the church is that church culture never changes. The reason why is because 2000 years ago, when we're reading this account in Acts, God is the same as he was in this moment. Before then, he's the same today, and he'll be the same tomorrow. 
Before getting into Acts chapters 3 and 4, would you join me in praying over our time and that God would lead us in this time? Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you for the ways that you show up in our lives, Lord, that your Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold. Lord, would you um, help us to glean out of Acts chapters 3 and 4 what we need to, um, to be more motivated, to be more bold in our lives. Lord, and would you um, help us to share our faith? Lord, and would you um, show up now? Lord, we dedicate this time and this worship to you. So here we pray. Amen. So last week, Chris shared in chapter two how the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, which is amazing. And it, they, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were able to uh, share the gospel with tons of people and 3,000 people were added to their number that day on Pentecost. An amazing kickstarting moment for the church. And now in chapter three, I'm gonna summarize it real quick. Basically, Peter and John went to pray. Well, actually, I'm not gonna sing that whole song. It's a children's song and your kids will be singing it uh, right now at church. But basically, the story is that Peter and John, they did go to pray at the temple of Jerusalem. And whenever they were there on their way, they saw a lame man. This man could not walk. For almost 40 years, he couldn't walk. And here he was sitting and asking for money. And he looks at Peter and John. And he's like, please, do you guys have any money? Peter and John look back at him and are like, bro, look at us. We're not any more wealthy than you are. No, we don't have any silver or gold to give you. But what we can give you is in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he does. He leaps up and he starts leaping and jumping and praising God because of it. And people all in that time knew this man. He had sat outside these temple gates for years asking for money. People knew that he couldn't walk. And so whenever people saw that he was walking all of a sudden, they knew that something amazing had happened. So they were looking for Peter and John, the guys who performed this miracle. They're wondering if Jesus had come back. They're wondering if Peter was the next Messiah. And they flocked to the temple court and Peter got to share the gospel. In, tons of, in front of tons more people, which is amazing. His boldness in that is so inspiring. But word also traveled around fast. And so the Sanhedrin at the time, we see in chapter three, they, they come in and in chapter four, they arrest them. These are the same religious leaders of the time who actually arrested Jesus and ended up killing him on the cross. So there's a lot on the line for Peter and John here being arrested by these people. But let's check out Peter and John's response to them asking. They're, they're asking Peter and John in front of all these religious leaders, how did you heal this man? So if you would join me, pull up uh, Acts chapter four, verse eight, and look what Peter says. He says, then filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This is what the man, uh, that this man stands before you healed. So the same guys who crucified Jesus, Peter says right to their face, you guys crucified him, but it's by his power that this man is healed today. Talk about bold. I mean, Peter and John could have easily had a different response. They could have looked at him and said, nah, you know what? Actually, this was kind of a fluke. 
fake news. We put, uh, this is an, an actor, you know, he just looks like the guy, you know, we, we kind of faked the thing or they could have said, you know what, actually this was a one time off occurrence. We're good. You know, we promise not to come back here. We'll, we'll go back home. We'll get some jobs. We'll get our nice 401k, buy some land and never talk to anybody again. But no, they don't do that. They don't back down. And I love that. They do the exact opposite. They tell them, you guys killed Jesus. And here we are standing and helping this man stand. And we're standing on what we've seen and heard. Check out what the religious leaders respond to them in verse 13. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to all withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is, good, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. For us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. There are a couple things that jump out at me at this passage. The first is that this is a first real test of Peter and John in the early church. Here they are, they just received the Holy Spirit. They had this great conversion of 3,000 people. They just healed a man and then they got to preach the gospel again. Now they're arrested by dudes who potentially wanted to kill him. But when Peter, it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were astonished. The religious leaders, they were astonished. Let me ask you this. How many people in your life would be astonished by your boldness? In Canada last month, a pastor was arrested for having church. He was told not to have church services by the government, and he decided to have them anyways and continue to preach the gospel. He was then arrested and put on trial. In that trial, the judge said, look, I'm going to make you go to jail for a whole month unless you denounce your faith, that you no longer become a pastor, and that you promise to never mention the name of Jesus outside this courtroom ever again. And look at what the pastor said. Pastor John, James Coates is his name. And he replied, I'm simply here in obedience to Jesus Christ. And it's my obedience in Christ that has put me at odds with the law. So he spent the month in jail. He was bold. So what would you do if you were arrested for the namesake of Jesus? Now, chances are none of us will probably be arrested for the namesake of Jesus. It could happen, but realistically what we might face is will you be rejected? Will you be rejected by your friends and family because of you sharing your faith? Would you maybe not get that job promotion that you've been wanting because you've been bold with your faith? Would you maybe lose a client because of it? Would you not be able to hang out with certain people anymore? There's still a lot on the line for us today as Christians. 
And if you were to rank yourself on a boldness scale from one to 10, where would you put yourself? 10 meaning you are the most bold person that you've, that anybody's ever seen. I mean, you are constantly telling people about your faith. I don't think there's a single person in your life who doesn't know that you know and love Jesus. Maybe you're, every time you go to a restaurant, you're talking to a waitress or a waiter about your faith and how Jesus loves them. Maybe every time you go to the post office, you're talking to the mailman. Maybe every single time you go to the bank, you're talking to the banker. Maybe time you're, every time you're in checkout at Target, you're talking to the checkout person. Maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum where you're not that bold. Maybe you're on the other side where you really aren't talking about faith much. Maybe you're afraid to. Maybe you're like, I can't go there with that group of friends. Our relationship isn't like that. Or, nah, I don't, you know, I'm not going to bring that up at work. I'm really focused on finishing this project and getting this deadline and trying to get that promotion. I don't want to risk that. Maybe you've even had somebody on this side of the spectrum. Maybe somebody's even said to you, oh, wait, you're a Christian? I had no idea. I couldn't tell. Man, talk about that statement, bringing, taking some wind out of your sails. I know I've heard that at times in my life, and it stinks. That's probably a pretty good indicator that you're not very bold. Regardless of where you end on that spectrum, maybe you're somewhere in the middle, whatever you put yourself, one through 10. How do you move from either two to three, three to four? How do you move from seven to eight? We're gonna talk about that today. What would it look like for you to move along that spectrum? And what would it look like for you to interrupt your daily routine to follow Jesus more faithfully? As we've mentioned, boldness is a huge part of the church early on. It's what causes it to grow. What causes any church to grow is people being bold in their faith. Even 2000 years ago, it's still true today. God calls us to be bold. Boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of a threat. So how do we do this? I think first we start with praying. I think we pray first. We pray for opportunities to be bold with people. And the thing about being bold though, is that we think bold is often a big, bold personality, or that we're praying for God to make us more bold in some way. But really we're praying for opportunities because the Holy Spirit does the rest. Just like right here in Acts, we see Peter filled with the Holy Spirit in verse eight. He's filled with the Holy Spirit to be bold. It's not something that we do what Jesus does through us. And some of the most people, bold people in my life that I've ever met were often some of the most meek and quiet and introverted people. So it doesn't mean that you have to be this extravagant camp counselor personality. But what those people who are bold did better than anything else is they listened to the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're praying for. I'll tell you though, the prayer for boldness and to be bold is a dangerous prayer because you're going to get what you ask for. I prayed this prayer in high school years ago. And I remember I was newly saved as a Christian and I was like, man, this is awesome. I want to share this with somebody else, share this with other people. And I was just praying for an opportunity. And God gave me an opportunity that showed up every single day. And I had no idea. In high school, my best friend at the time moved in with me and I had bunk beds. We ended up splitting the beds and uh, living in the same room. And so we each had our own bed. And it was a unique experience where in high school, I got to basically have a roommate 
and he became almost my brother. His name was AJ, and he uh, was not a Christian at the time. And I remember I was just praying, man, how do I share my faith with AJ? I mean, AJ was always had better grades than me. He was always smarter. He could read better, all these things. And I was like, man, I've got to make sure I have my ducks in a row if I'm going to talk to him about the gospel because he's going to ask me some questions that are going to put my faith to the test. So I felt like I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to start reading scripture. So each night I would lay in bed and I would flip the light and I would just start reading my Bible in my bed. And AJ, on the other side of the room, in the other bed, would look over and he'd see me doing that. And that's not what I was doing. I was trying to just even get prepared to even tell him about the gospel. But he noticed it. And the thing I love about AJ is he's the most competitive person I've ever met. Anytime that we played Monopoly, anytime that we played video games, anytime that we played tag, whatever it was, any sport, even if he wasn't good at it, he was going to make sure that he crushed me at whatever it was. So God used that competitiveness in a really cool way. He looked over and saw me reading my Bible and he literally thought, I can do that better than Tyler. And he did. So he bought a Bible and he uh, started reading it each night with me. And we would read it together. And by the time that I even finished Genesis, he was already into Job. By the time that I got to Job, he was already done with the Old Testament. Dude was way better at reading scripture than me. But something happened in those nights where he was reading scripture somewhere along the way. God grabbed hold of his heart. And it's super cool how that happened. He began to fall in love with Jesus. Not because of anything I did. It was all the Holy Spirit's work. Because we don't save people. God does. But those nights in high school, they caused me to grow in my faith too. Being bold causes you to grow in your faith. It causes us to draw nearer to God, which is exactly what God wants. And actually this past week, I've been preparing for this message of boldness. And I've been praying. Like I want to practice what I preach. So I'm praying for boldness this week. And yesterday I have a moment where I go to the dentist to get my teeth cleaned. And sure enough, as I'm in there, they're just, my dentist and hygienist are asking me, hey, you know, how's life? You know, what's going on? What's new? How's work going? I said, oh, you know, everything's good. Yeah, boys are good. Family's good. I was like, yeah, and at work, you know, I'm working on this sermon. And then my dentist asked, oh, you're preaching? That's cool. What, like, where? And I was like, oh, at, at our church, we meet at 10 o'clock at the Lone Tree Rec Center. I was like, I, you guys are more than welcome to come. And sure enough, him and his wife said that they would come. And then the hygienist was like, oh, that's really cool. She's like, I think I'd like to go too. So I wasn't planning on being bold, but I just answered a question about what was going on in life. And God used that opportunity, which is amazing. I was just expecting to get my teeth cleaned that morning. But God uses little moments for great impact. Next, beyond praying, I think that we serve humbly. Boldness is accompanied by humility. We must humble ourselves before God. In Ephesians 4.2, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The main character in this story is God. As we're talking about boldness, it's not you. You're not the main character in this. I'm not the main character. Peter and John aren't the main characters in this passage. Even the man who got healed isn't the main character. God is the main character. So we have to humble ourselves and realize that it is God who does the work. And what, honestly, in our daily routines, in our agendas, could be more important than sharing the love of Jesus with somebody? 
It's not important as God's agenda. What could you possibly do today that could be more important than obeying God? Here you are praying for opportunities. We talked about praying for opportunities and here you are, you're starting to pray for opportunities and an opportunity comes up and you look at that person and think, nah, I'm too busy today. You know, I've got too much to do. I've got too many things. You know, my, my toilet still has that jiggle to it. So I'm, I need to go take care of that. But instead, you can be telling them about the creator of the universe who created them, who has unending, unfathomable love for them and wants to spend eternity with them. That sounds a little bit more important than your jiggly to- toilet handle. We're all here today because somebody was bold with us. What if that person had thought, nah, they're good. Somebody else will do the job. Or maybe tomorrow, somebody was bold with us, so we're called to be bold with other people. Can you imagine what, what your life would be like if somebody had ima- just was not bold with you at all? Our Heavenly Father wants to spend eternity with everybody, and we get to share that news with people that we love and care about the most. We should have some, we should always care about the gospel. We should always care about sharing it with somebody. I wouldn't be here right now unless it was for my youth pastor 16 years ago, taking the time, being consistent, sharing his love with me. And I'll be honest, this is probably the hardest one for me. I get too caught up in my own agenda, my own details of my day. And I think, man, I got all these things to do, this whole list. And so I go into Home Depot real quick, run out. I go to the bank, I'm in and I'm out. I'm not thinking this way a lot of the time, but this is where praying and humbling yourself can be great. A couple weeks ago, I was at the bank. I was opening up a uh, church savings account, meeting with my banker, Brandon. And Blake, my father-in-law, walked in and he, uh, yeah, said, what's up? Hey, you know, hey, Brandon. Hey, Tyler, how are you guys doing? And started talking to Brandon, just started asking like, how's life going? You know, what's new? Haven't seen you in a while. Brandon was like, oh, well, actually, I'm going to be a dad here this summer. I have a son who's on the way. And Blake was like, man, that's awesome. When is your wife due? And Brandon said, oh, actually, it's my girlfriend. She's due in June. And Blake, without skipping a beat, put his arm around him and said, why haven't you married her yet? <laughs> Talk about bold. I saw Brandon's face and he didn't know how to respond at first. But then Brandon collected himself and began to tell us X, reason X, Y, and Z why he wasn't doing it yet, but he was going to, and money, and this, and timing, and blah, blah, blah. But Blake proceeded to tell him that marrying his now girlfriend would be the best decision he ever makes, and it would be the best thing for his future son as well. And Brandon said, hey, I, you know, I will, I'll do it at some point. And Blake was like, well, let's grab lunch. I'd love to talk to you about it more. And Brandon was like, no, I think I know what you're gonna say. Blake was like, I actually don't think that you do. I'd love to grab you lunch still. Then, Blake ended up leaving. I ended up, you know, going, going through the rest of the account stuff and hanging out with Brandon. But whenever Blake left, he had left the door wide open for me to be bold as well. So I got to tell him all about how I married Emmy and why I did and why it was the best decision I ever made and why that decision was the best decision he could make for his son as well. So Blake's boldness was amazing in that situation. Blake very easily could have walked in and he could have just said, hey, what's up? I got to run. You know, I've got I got stuff to do. And he could have been on to the next thing. But instead, he stopped. He took his time. He asked questions. And he was available. He was humble 
enough to realize that my agenda is not as important as God's agenda. And this is what Jesus did all throughout his life. We see Jesus all throughout the Gospels. He's showing up, he's taking his time, and he's doing miracles for the sake of relationship with people. And that's hard for us to understand here in America. We constantly are moving on to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. We're all super task-oriented most of the time too. We live in a day and age where we're getting more and more done than we ever could all throughout history. But it causes us to be stressed about a lot of things that are going on in life. What if instead of getting stressed about all the things that you have to do in a day, what if we turn that same stress into people that don't know Jesus? What if you got so stressed by the people in your life that don't know Jesus that that became your first priority? How would your life change as a result? Next, beyond uh, praying first in humility, I think we need to love everyone. 1 Corinthians 16 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. We have to love everyone with courage and confidence in who God is. Have you noticed how much courage little kids have? Whenever I think of my, both my sons, I mean, they are willing to jump off of anything as long as I'm there to catch them. They both have confidence in me and they also have courage to think that they could probably fly if they tried hard enough to. I wish I had that kind of confidence in life, especially in my heavenly father. Speaking of kids being bold, Cade, I'm so proud of him. A couple months back, he wanted to buy Bibles for our neighbors, for some of his friends and kids in the neighborhood. And he did, and we were able to give it to him and they were really appreciative. But beyond that, a couple weeks ago, after a couple months go by, Kate had the thought, I wonder if they're reading their Bibles. I'd like to ask them. So he asked Emmy to text their moms and see. And sure enough, one of them had read halfway through it. And Cade was so excited, his eyes lit up. And it was amazing. I love that passion. And Cade was bold, even at four years old. What if we were to do that in our lives? When was the last time I bought somebody a Bible, let alone ask them if they'd been reading it or not? Holy smokes, I need to grow in boldness too. And my son inspired me. Let's look at Peter and John again in this passage. In the verse, he says, we cannot help speak about what we have seen and heard. There's no backing down. There's no giving up. There's just being bold. And they loved one person at a time. It started with healing that lame man. I think there's some other misconceptions about being bold. I think that we think that we have to have everything put together. Like I did with AJ, I thought that I had to have the perfect argument and the best list of evangelical tools in the world and the best timing to be able to share it with them. But God does the heart change. God did the heart change in AJ. It wasn't me. I can't do that. I'm called to love people full of grace and full of truth. God does the rest. Now, I was able to interview somebody who's super good at being bold. Zach, one of our group leaders at Connect Church, he's also the Connections team leader on Sunday. You've probably seen him around, but he is the most bold person that I know. He's got the gift of evangelism and he's willing to share it with anybody. And I love that about him. So check out the interview with him now. Zach, thanks so much for doing this interview. Uh, I'm inspired by your boldness and I think other people will be too. It seems like everybody in your life 
uh, seems to know that you're a Christian, which is amazing. I love your gift of evangelism and being able to share that with so many people. So thanks again for doing this. Would you mind introducing yourself, uh, maybe a little bit about yourself, your family, uh, what you do for work, and then your role at Connect? Sure, yeah. I'm Zach Sarimba, and uh, we've been a part of Connect since day one. I have my wonderful wife, Katrina, um, my oldest daughter, Aubrey, and then my son, Braxton. And uh, yeah, with Connect, we, uh, I, I'm the Connections team leader, as well as have the privilege of leading a group, too, my wife and I do. And, uh, and then, yeah, for work, I'm in outside sales. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Um, I'm curious, and I think other people will be too. Have you always been bold in your faith? I wouldn't say I've always been bold just because developing my relationship with Jesus and the, and, uh, yeah, I, I would say that, uh, I've always been a connector, just really outgoing and extrovert, but definitely not, uh, on mission for Christ in that way. Always. Sure. So, so what changed for you to all of a sudden become really bold and share about Jesus? Yeah. So we experienced life and what it was like without biblical community, without Christ-like community. And when we got to experience a few years ago a, a Christ-like community, um, everything changed for me as far as wanting to share that with others. And that's probably what I'd say is the main passion or driving force behind me. Uh, yeah. Sharing Jesus's love, the Bible, uh, you know, where it can lead you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So can you share a time where maybe it was one of the most important ones or just a highlight of maybe when you were really bold in your faith? Sure. Yeah. I've, I've had a chance, uh, actually through work to maybe just encourage, uh, some of my customers, whether something comes up that they're struggling with something. So a specific event would probably be, um, have a customer who is completely a non-believer. I don't know if he, he ever will believe. And uh, his, his wife was just experiencing some, some, she's had some cancer, she was getting some surgery. So we just got to talk about his life and uh, yeah, Jesus a little bit and just share with him that no matter what he's done, you know, it's for him, even though I feel like a lot of people don't think that, but I'd say that's probably one example. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know you've done that a ton through work. It's been super cool to see even with your boss, who's not a believer, I've seen you share your faith with him and mm -hmm. it's really cool to see yeah, in all those areas of life. So yeah. yeah, thanks for always sharing those with me and not sharing them with other people. Sure. Um, what would you tell somebody if somebody wanted to be more bold in their faith? What would you tell them or encourage them with to, to do so? The biggest thing I would say that I think held me back a little bit maybe is, right, it's not our job as Christians to save, to save others. We can't do that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God. That's Jesus. That we, we can't do that. So, but, but by telling others, sharing your community, sharing your love, your time, or the word with others, we, we have the, uh, you know, the ability to experience Jesus through that, to be obedient in that calling and, and be on mission, just like, you know, as we're talking about Acts, like it uh, calls us to do that. And so it takes the pressure off and I guess makes it, you know, it's not me. It's not on me. It's, it's, it's the Lord. So. I'm grateful it's not on me because yes. I know I'd screw it up yeah. a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly my thought. Yeah. Well, thanks again for answering a few questions about your boldness, man. I'm inspired by it. I hope other people are as well. Thanks for being a part of Connect, man. You lead your group with boldness. I see you do it with connections and you love people continually. So thanks again for being a part of our church family. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Zach, for sharing your story 
of boldness. I loved what he had to say. Being bold is not something that you're just born with. It's not a personality trait. It's not about just being charismatic all the time. It's just about being obedient. Looking back at the passage towards the end of chapter 4, the believers began to pray for boldness. They see Peter and John and they're motivated by what they just did. And so let's check it out together in verse 29 here. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of the Holy, Holy Servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were uh, meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldness leads to boldness, which is awesome. It inspires boldness. Notice that they don't pray, God, make us more eloquent in our speech. Or God, enable us to save people. They didn't say either one of those things. Instead, they said, enable us to speak your word with great boldness. This is all we're meant to do. And here's the thing, is whenever they got inspired by it, they prayed for it themselves. They were inspired by Peter and John's boldness through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it made people worship God, which is they wanted to see more people do. It's amazing. Boldness is contagious. Just like in Zach's story, just like I'm inspired by Zach and that we can all be inspired, I hope that it inspires you as well. Boldness inspires boldness. Would you join me in praying now? The same prayer that the early church did for all of us to be bold, to share our faith with those who that we interact with because too much is on the line not to. Let's pray. Now, Lord, consider... Your, their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of the Holy Servant, Jesus. Lord, would you do that in our lives? Lord, would you enable us to share your word boldly through the power of your Holy Spirit? Lord, today and tomorrow and the next day, Lord, would you continue to give us opportunities to share your faith with people around us that we interact with, the people that we love, whether it's a friend or a family member that we know, that their life would be so much more better off if they just knew and loved you. Lord, we ask for this today. Would you humble us and would you help us to love everyone like you love everyone? Lord, we praise you and thank you for this time. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen.